Hey all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Bob Healy of Grill Blazer, makers of the Grill Gun and Sous Vide Gun. Make sure you follow this podcast all the way to the end. We have a special announcement. We'll be doing a giveaway of the Grill Gun or Sous Vide Gun, your choice. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. And now I'll introduce Bob Healy from Grill Blazer. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter, sous vide and chilling from fire and water. Hey all, I want to introduce you to a company I just started working with, Fresh Jack's Organic Spices out of Jacksonville, Florida. They're a small, family-run company that's fast-growing. I've tried a bunch of their different seasoning blends and spices, and I can tell you they are all fresh, all organic. None of them contain artificial flavors or sweeteners. None of them have anti-caking agents or preservatives. They all taste like they were just made for you yesterday. Check them out, guys. They're on Amazon in the link below. They have different sample packs, different blends. Like I said, they also have the individual seasonings and spices as well. Fresh Jack's organic spices. Check them out guys. I love them. Welcome back to the fire and water cooking podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host. Of course, today we got a special guest is actually, he's been on the podcast before and just not on the video side. He's been on, uh, with, uh, actually Troy Smith, T Roy cooks. Uh, we introduced Bob Healy back when the grill gun was just being released on a Kickstarter. So, uh, Bob Healy is the owner of Grill Blazer, which makes the grill gun and sous vide gun. Welcome, Bob. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, Darren. Thanks very much for having me on the show. I am, as you said, Bob Healy, and I am the founder of Grill Blazer and the, the inventor, the developer of the high powered torches that I call the grill gun and the sous vide gun. And I'm an engineer by training. My background is um, product development of all different kinds. And I, I kind of got tired of working for other people. And I thought I should start my own company and do something I enjoy. And I enjoy charcoal grilling and I enjoy cooking meat, uh, sous vide. And it just seemed like the perfect thing to do to develop the perfect torch to be able to do that with. So that's how it all started. And because I have been in business, uh, run my own business and run other businesses. I figured might as well do it for myself and start something entirely new from the ground up. So that's where it came from. So you were a, an engineer. What what type of engineer were you? I mean, did you work for a company developing products? Did you uh, a civil engineer? What did you do for a living? Well, training uh, college was electrical engineering. So I spent. Uh, quite a bit of time developing consumer products. And initially, right out of college, I worked for a fishing company called Lorance Electronics. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but oh, they yeah. fish finders. And so I was one of the, right out of college, I was a design engineer, a manufacturing engineer first, and then design engineer working for them, uh, building, Actually, I was the developer of the very first LCD fish finder that Lawrence came out with. And um, one thing 
uh, led to another and I uh, left that company, uh, started my own company uh, called Design Electronics where I did more product development and then um, built another company called Pinpoint where we did uh, high-tech trolling motors. And I was the principal engineer really in uh, the, the, not only the vice president of engineering, but the principal design engineer and uh, built a company up around fishing and moved into, uh, after that, into Brunswick, uh, developing electronics for boats and products for boats and mergers and acquisitions. And uh, then I went back out on my own as a um, vice, vice president of engineering for uh, another company called uh, Murphy Electronics doing engines and uh, gas compression for the oil field and ended up starting my own company again. And this time, well, I did, I did work for American Electric, uh, a minute, say it was called American Electric Power, AEP, and did contract work in developing of wind power for independent power producers. A lot of stuff, a lot of engineering and business background. So when I left them in 2016, I went home and I said, you know, what do I really want to do myself? And that's when the idea of, I really just enjoyed barbecuing and uh, cooking outside. And I thought I should just develop the very perfect torch, something that's going to last forever, uh, look really cool while you're doing it. Did a lot of market study, trying asking friends and um, family what would be what would make the perfect torch to do what I was accustomed to doing. I I'm accustomed to using a weed torch. People who are familiar with that process, you can just go down to Harbor Freight and buy a weed torch, and you can light your charcoal grill. But it's those things wear out in about three weeks, and they are no good for sous vide cooking. And they, the igniters, the quality of the products, they're really just junk. And so I thought, make a perfect torch. Let's do it right. So that's what I ended up with, uh, the grill gun. So yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, people try to compare the Harbor Freight torch and other devices that they've kind of hodgepodge together to compare it to what the sous vide, uh, sous vide gun or the grill gun can do. But um, I've, I've seen them both and I, I can tell you there is a big difference and you're right. Um, there's no comparison to the quality of what you put together and what you designed with the, all of the functionality and the uh, safety precautions that are in it than a $20 Harbor Freight, uh, you know, weed burner torch. Um, I mean, if people want to pay that, you know, 20 bucks and have something that's only going to last them a couple months and not do an efficient job and, uh, you know, be very unsafe, uh, you're always going to have those people. But uh, I was one of the first ones to see uh, the grill gun in, you know, working when, when I saw one of Troy's videos, T-Roy T Cooks, you know, Troy Smith. And that's what really got me excited about it because when I first saw it, I saw the potential for it to be used in sous vide right away. I mean, that's what caught my eyes. Not only can something like that be great for lighting your grill, but 
also for searing um, searing food for sous vide because of course that's what I was doing. I was combining smoking and barbecue and grilling with sous vide, and um, that's why I was I got you on my my podcast pretty much right at the beginning when I first started it because I I was really excited about the product. So um, yeah, I mean I, I was on board with the uh, uh, with your uh, crowdfunding right away. So, so how did you start from the beginning when you sat down and said, I see a need and how, what, what take us through the process of drawing it up on a napkin and then uh, putting it into fruition? Yeah, that's, it was interesting because the idea of a, of the grill gun has never been done before. Uh, so I had, I started talking to first uh, my son-in-law, one of my son-in-laws, uh, sons-in-law, and he said, I said, what would it take to have a, a torch that people would want to buy? Because the whole weed torch idea has been around for decades. People like uh, charcoal and wood with torches all of the time, but I've I have cooked on charcoal grills and lit grills in front of friends and with company and everybody just think it's, it's just kind of odd. You know, it's like they, they see me do it and they just don't, they just don't run down to Harbor Freight or go online and buy a torch to do the same thing. And so I started out by saying, what would it take? So I envisioned, you know, maybe, because those online torches are so inexpensive, I figured there, you know, it's just the idea has been something up that works and it's sort of ergonomic and it would actually function. Uh, let me see if I can, I can demonstrate it here in front of the camera where, where you can hold it in your hand, whatever it is. I, I didn't know it was, it looked like a gun at the time, hold it in your hand and aim it at the grill and have it be comfortable. Instead of a weed torch, which is a big long pole that you kind of have to hold up in the air and point down at your grill in order to get it lit up. And so it was determined right then it was going to have to look like a pistol of some sort. So I decided, all right, well, what kind of pistol would it look like? Would it be a ray gun? You know, just the whole idea of throwing out pistol designs. And so in a very short time, uh, my son-in-law and my youngest son and my middle son, they all said, it needs to look like your pistol. And so I thought, well, how am I going to find that? And I started looking at torch manufacturers and, and calling them from all around the world. And nobody had anything that looked like a pistol or would that would operate that way. And so after so that was in june of 2015 yeah june of no 2016 sorry june of 20 uh, not even june december of 2016 i was thinking all right what needs to be done isn't done by anybody so i'm an engineer and i've always hired engineers to do cool stuff might as well teach myself to do it too. So I, I bought a piece of um, software called SolidWorks. It's 3D modeling software. And I taught myself to use it. And I got my, uh, my 38 
um, semi-automatic pistol out and laid it on the counter in front of me and started modeling it. And when I got something that looked sort of like a pistol, it took me probably, I, I want to say three months of first teaching myself to do the software and then building a model around it and then actually creating a product that one day in April, I guess it was, of uh, 2018, I walked out into the room and I showed it to my wife. And she said, I think you actually have something there that people will buy. And I fired it up and it was just cool. And so I started showing my prototype of it to friends and they just every one of them wanted one and every one of them said, I can, I can see that that'll really sell. <clears throat> and it's so much different than just a piece of bent aluminum or steel in that it's, I, I made sure that when I put it together, I started with a list of everything that it had to be, had to have in it. And I didn't know how to get those things in there. I just knew that those were the functions that they need to have. One of them, for instance, is it always has to light. So when you, when you buy an electric starting, piezoelectric starting torch, they will light for a good two weeks before they burn up and then they're really no good anymore. And that's what you get when you pay 40 bucks or $50 for a torch. They're just a piece of garbage and they're almost throwaway and people are used to that. So it, it came from the inspiration of saying that you actually have to be able to hold it like you would hold a pistol. So might as well make it look like a pistol. And I made them in black and I made them in white and silver and other um, colors, painted them, looked at them and, and just landed on the, color and style and shape and, and art associated with the grill gun. So the design features that are in it came from years of having used garbage torches and been frustrated with them and saying that we actually have to do something better than that. So that's how it, that's how it came about. The inspiration was I had, to, I had to have a product that would light the, light the grill. Oh, but Darren, there was one other thing. Uh, it had to be miserly on fuel. What does that mean? Um, if you, you know, here's a sous vide gun. I'm just holding. Well, that's it. one of the things that people asked when I when I first started showing people and and doing videos on it on the prototype that you sent me. People yeah. were automatically assuming that it would dump out a can of that propane in like the third use. And I was surprised how long those cans of propane last with that. Yeah. So that was one of the design criteria. Okay. If you're going to make it portable. So that was a design criteria. It had to, it had to be able to be hooked up to a big propane tank, but it also had to be entirely portable like this is. And so I had to do research and figure out, all right, what does it take to, to keep from dumping one of those cans out. Because if you, if you put a 500 or 400,000 BTU torch, you know, the, the cheap torches out there, it's just got such a huge output orifice that it needs a, a ton of propane to make it work. 
So you can get the kind of heat that this generates, but you do it through uh, a, using so much propane that the, you maybe get 30 seconds runtime on it before the can freezes over. So I had to design that out. So I had to figure out how, how to uh, increase the heat associated with the amount of BTUs that I was getting out and uh, create a torch that would actually get the charcoal hot enough to light almost instantaneously. Uh, you know, I can light a char my charcoal grill in 30 seconds and I've lit other ones in 15 to 20 seconds. It's just, it requires a tremendous amount of heat. So the torch itself has to have that capability. And I went through many iterations before I even knew it looked like a gun, just in the designing of a torch that was capable of developing that heat. And so I learned through trial and error that unless I put out in the neighborhood of 3000 uh, degrees of degrees Fahrenheit of heat, I wasn't gonna light that charcoal right up. And so, so that's how it came about is just engineering principles set out criteria for what the torch actually had to work like and then design it until it was aesthetically pleasing. And I knew I, I knew I had a winner when I showed it to people and they just, they, everyone wanted to buy the prototypes that I had. Yeah, I was one of them because when I got one to, to try out, even though it was, you know, you could tell it was a, uh, you know, it was a pretty put together with the, um, the yeah, the printer. You know, yeah. it was, it was uh, you know, you could tell it was not a final, you know, product, but it worked so well. The internals worked so well. You know, the plastic was just more, you know, it was kind of a cheapy plastic thing, but it was the internals that, you know, worked really well to me. And I could tell right away because I lit my, you know, I, I have a Kamado Joe Kamado grill and a ceramic grill. And that's the whole thing with that. It, you know, you either got to sip, you use a little, you know, wood fire starters or Weber fire starters or a torch where you got to sit there and hold it or the, you know, the one that blows hot air at it and you're still sitting there holding it for a good, you know, five or five minutes or so before the fire is, you know, big enough that you can even walk away from it. But I, I took that thing and, and lit my Kamado grill in a matter of, you know, two minutes. I was, you know, within five minutes I was cooking. I mean, that was, you know, I could never have done that before. And, yeah. uh, it's, it was just amazing to me. And then I was a big, uh, proponent as soon as I played with that thing and, and people always don't seem to understand how hot that thing got and how, you know, they were, they were telling me, Oh, you're going to blow your grill up. And it's like, no, cause it's concentrated right on the coal. It's not getting all over the whole grill. So, but it's so concentrated that it, it does get that charcoal lit so quick. You're cooking within, you know, five minutes you're cooking. Right. I was talking to uh, a, a guy who's the owner of a, a grill company and he's saying, you know, you're just going to get the thing so hot it's going to burn the paint off my grill. And I, I just showed him right on his grill. No, you, you're not doing that. That heat is focused right on the charcoal and you light that charcoal real quick. And likewise, you can then aim it around the grill and bring the whole grill up to temperature which is what I do. I always use it to flame off the grates where I cook the food and then wire brush it down and uh, bring the whole thing up. And literally from the time I walk out the door to the time I'm cooking food is three minutes. And I do that every week. Yeah. I mean, that's me too. I, I recently bought a PK grill, you know, which is the cast aluminum 
and I've done some videos using, using the, actually I use the sous vide gun more than the grill gun because it's smaller and, and a little bit more compact. So it's easier for me to grab and just use it. And I stand back a little farther on some of the lump charcoal that sparks, but I mean, it, it you know, people just say, Oh, you're going to blow your grill up. It's like, no, you don't understand. It's concentrated right on that charcoal. You know, those grills can take eight, to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, on a consistent basis. So it, it's not getting up to that. The charcoal is getting all the full brunt of that, um, you know, uh, the BTU. So, and I'm literally within two minutes, I'm cooking and I do the same thing. I, I clean the grates off, you know, with the flame, scrape it a little bit, and then I just light the charcoal and then I'm cooking. It's just, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And people, um, really until they get them, they don't really understand how, how powerful these things are. And I've actually done a couple of videos showing people that I'm sous vide and then, you know, using the sous vide gun to sear. And I've done it in the house. I do it on a pan, but you know, they always kind of, Oh, it's gonna, you're going to burn your house down. It's like, it's concentrated. It's just like taking a sears all, except you got a lot more power than a sears all. So Right. I've seen your videos, Darren, and I think it's really good. I don't use a grate and a pan like you do. I use a, a ceramic stone. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of the videos that I've done where I'm... Yeah, and I, I tell people you can do that as well. I just tell them don't try to do it on a cutting board or, or right. you know, right. make sure you're, you're, you're being smart about it, you know, but um, don't do it on top of a stove. I mean, just, you know, do it just... You got to be, you know, smart. You can't, you know, throw the thing all around and just, you know, make sure that the, the fire's within that, that uh, pan. So, but I, I don't do that a lot anyway. I do a lot, most of my searing outside, but I would, I did it mostly just to show people you can use those inside. Yeah. Um, you know, they are powerful, but they, you know, especially the CV gun, it's more concentrated. So you can control it you can control it with the knob and the, uh, and, and the handle, you know, so, just like you, I've seen some of your videos when you use it for CV. I use the control on the knob more than I do, you know, the full blast on the handle, you know, so. Yeah, when you're inside, you need to be using the knob because yeah. you just, it's, well, you can do it both ways. I'll do it both ways inside. And it, I'm more comfortable using the, the pulse grip on that to give it full force because I am shooting it at a ceramic stone. Right. If I shoot it into a pan, it's going to fold back on me, and I don't want that. So, so why don't you uh, hold the, the grill gun up and just kind of walk through, you know, from toe to tip, and just kind of point through what it is. Just so, for those who haven't seen one, make sure you check out my videos on my YouTube channel if you haven't seen the grill gun because I have several. I've done demos of it, um, even the prototype, but I've got several where I use it to light my grills as well. Go ahead, Bob, just kind of walk through the whole thing. So here's a grill gun. Somebody decided wow, to it, and it plays music. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. Someone else had to call. So here we go. This is the grill gun. And this is the sous vide gun. You can see here, I'll set it this way so you can see it's shorter. Right there. Yep, a little more compact. Yep, it's the same size handle. I mean, the, the gun handle themselves are the same. One says sous vide gun, one says grill gun. But the, the substantial difference between the, the two, 
visually are is the the length of the barrel and then if you look at the front of them they look different the sous vide gun right here has what i call a focusing plate right in front and the grill gun doesn't it doesn't have that and i've had some people actually um sorry about that some people ask me can can i make both of them you know can i use the modify the sous vide gun somehow in order to make it do a grill gun and the answer is no they really are designed for two different purposes and um, i'll just use the sous vide gun and talk about that here here's a picture of it so from uh, tip to toe right here the front of it the fire bell itself to the fuel can at the that's connected to the gun on the bottom here the uh, it's a torch that has two different valves on it so it gets its fuel from the propane tank and this knob right here on top if you turn it you're going to get gas flowing through the the gun and you if you pull this finger trigger right here, you'll get a clicking sound. It's like, you know, firing a bullet, but it's, there's no bullet. All it does is it creates a, a spark here inside the fire bell. So if you turn on the gas like this, and you pull the trigger, you get fire, just like that. And that's just down very low. And what's really unique about the sous vide gun is, is how low the fire is and how pure it's burning. You can see that it's just a pure blue flame. If I turn it way up, it's just much more pure blue flame. And then this, this handle right here is a squeeze handle. And you squeeze it like this with your hand, squeeze the handle, it'll throw the fire right out. So the, the design of the sous vide gun is to create as hot a flame as you can get coming out of here because that's the purpose of searing your meat. It's not a long flame. It's only about 16 inches long from the time it exits the bell to the end of the flame. Now, don't put your hand here because it's really hot. It's about 3,000 degrees right there. But the grill gun is another almost foot longer. So it uses more fuel. The grill gun uses more fuel, about a third more fuel in the same amount of time as the CV gun does. And the sous vide gun has this focusing plate in order to do two things. One of them is to create a narrow focused flame front that, that if you're searing meat, you're sort of painting with it, if you will. And you can direct the flame exactly where on the meat you want it to, to go. The grill gun is so much more fire coming out of it that it, um, you really, you, you can't use it indoors. If you do, you're going to catch your house on fire and you, that's not a good thing, right? I yeah, it's really fire. hard to control. I know. Uh, I, I, I never even tried to use uh, the grill gun, um, inside, even when you sent me the prototype before the CV gun prototype came out. Um, I knew that it was much too powerful to try to use, uh, you know, inside, but it was perfect for putting on top of your grill grates and searing, so. Yeah, you put a steak out there on your grill grates and you use the grill gun, you're gonna throw 
a ton of heat. And actually, everybody, if you haven't seen Darren's videos on the comparison of the grill gun and the Savigan, I guess it was the grill gun and the TSA thousand. I did. I did actually. I did one against all three too. I did one with the CV gun, the grill gun, and the TS eight thousand. So here, I'll fire this one up, and you can see see how it's not as blue. It's got yellow flame. It's because it's not as clean on the low end. But then when you turn it up, it it really starts to roar. So, okay. um, and it. And so the, the big difference in the grill gun and the sous vide gun is that when you are out in your, uh, out on your cooker, you're, here I'll stand back so you can see it. You have much more reach. The flame goes two feet past the, the gun and the gun itself gives you the ability to reach out. So when you're lighting it, when you're lighting charcoal, let's say lump charcoal, which is what I prefer to use over the briquettes which has binders in it and can flavor the food as well. But the lump charcoal is just real wood that's just been charred until it's, when, you, when you're lighting lump charcoal, it's got all of the uh, water and sap and bugs and stuff like that that was in the wood originally. And that all basically becomes a 4th of July party. And yeah, you get sparks flying off of that. It you sparks, know, you know it sparks up a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I use mostly lump, so... That it does, and that's having that extra reach is you know crucial when you're uh, you got all those sparks coming. And, and some of the you know lump charcoal has got more of that than others because a lot of times it's not fully carbonized, so you'll get more of the sparks because of that. So it's it's yep. good to have that reach. So that's what the so the grill gun is designed to throw so much fire out and so much heat right out. Uh, you know, basically about a foot away from the um, into the, the gun that it, it's, it gives you your head and your hand and your fuel tank are all that are a long ways away from the fire that you're creating. And it's very safe to operate. But if you try to go into the kitchen and sear meat with this, you're doing this number on your countertop and it's just ungainly. Whereas if you're using a sous vide gun, and you're at your countertop, you're holding it down, the bell's the same thing. It's now very manageable to um, sear your meat, whether you're on the grill or you're um, in the house on a, on a um, cooking stone or a, a grill grate of some sort. Yeah. So, Hey all, this is Darren and I wanna take a minute to talk to you about Masterclass. I just signed up for Masterclass and I can tell you what, it's well worth it. Masterclass is where you can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn how to sous vide from Thomas Keller. You can learn how to make Texas barbecue from Aaron Franklin himself. All these classes are available on Masterclass plus many more. Masterclass has great video content, interactive assignments, social interaction with the Masterclass community, all for just one fee. You can either buy each individual class for $90 each, or you can sign up for the annual pass which gives you access to all their classes for just $180. And that's what I signed up for. Check it out, guys. Masterclass has some of the best online training you can find. Check it out, guys, in the link below. Masterclass, amazing. Now on to the show. 
the, the I, I get I get people all the time that will ask me, you know, which one should I buy? Because, you know, some people don't want to have both because, you know, that's double the expense. But, you know, and I always tell them it depends on what you do more of, lighting your grill or searing sous vide. If it's where you light your grill a lot more than you, you know, sear with the torch, then get the grill gun. And then just when you want to use it to sear, put it out on your grill and sear it out there. If you cook more indoors sous vide and you, you sear inside more, then get the sous vide gun because you can always light your grill with it. It's just you got to hold your arm a little bit farther. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a guy just today, almost not a week goes by that I don't have two or three people ask me that same question. They're, they they always want to know, well, I can't afford to buy both of them. Although, honestly, the most popular one is the sous vide gun, followed by the combination, you know? Yeah. Because people either want both of them, they recognize that they're best of both worlds, or they, um, or they really are, they're just a lot more cooks in this world than there are people that barbecue or charcoal grill. I mean, just if you think about it, everybody cooks and sous vide is so popular. Sous vide cooking is such a great way to fix food that it's a natural thing that's, that I'm going to sell more sous vide guns than I would grill guns. But right behind this, the uh, sale of, grill, of sous vide guns is the sale of the combos because people recognize that they're not the same. Even though they look very similar, they really don't don't do one another's job the best so yeah and i think a lot of times too you probably have more buying the sous vide gun because the sous vide gun is a lot more it's a lot more different than that harbor freight cheap thing that a lot of the barbecue guys use already and you know they don't want to spend more money they'll just they say well i'll buy 10 you know harbor freight ones if they're just using it to light their grill you know, they'll, they'll do that. And, but the people that are using it for sous vide can, they're not going to drag that big Harbor freight thing around where you have to tie it to a, you know, a 30 gallon, you know, propane tank. And then, you know, it, it might break on you and all that, you know, the sous vide gun makes a lot more sense for people that are going to use it for sous vide for sure. And, and also light their gun. But um, I, like you said, they're both purpose driven, but you can use them both for both, but you know, it's just, I always tell people, whatever you're going to use it the most for, buy that one because you can do both with it. But if you're going to be inside searing most of the time with it, get the smaller one because it's it's a lot more uh, you know flexible in that uh, sense. So yeah, you can throw either of them into your trunk and go on a camp out or go to the lake. And right. They're just really really convenient. If you're if I I'm an outdoors person, I love you know camping. I I like going to the lake. The grill gun, you don't just have to use it to light your charcoal. You can take it there. I live on a farm. I, uh, I have an incinerator. I light my incinerator. I just went through pasture burning this, um, this about two months ago for this spring. It, um, I, I have got a whole list of things that I use a torch for. instead. Oh, yeah. Fireplace, fire pits, just about anything you need to light fire with. I mean, the thing is great. I mean, uh, so, so we saw both of the products now and, and people who didn't know them were kind of intrigued. I, I want to get into now how this all came about because you designed it. You, we kind of went touched on how you put the prototypes together. 
what made you look at crowdfunding? And let's talk about your experience using Kickstarter and uh, Indiegogo, because I've seen several products. Um, some of them have been successful. Some of them have failed. It just seems like some of them have been a really you know long process, like the meter thermometer. They had a big, long wait of uh, when they first started their Kickstarter to when they finally started delivering products. So let's talk about that a little bit, because you are you know, baptized by fire, literally, <laughs> you know, no pun intended. Yeah. So, um, when it, my background again is in engineering and in business. And so I had a product and I had a manufacturer that I could use to make it, but nobody's ever seen something like this before. And the big question is, is would it sell? And even though they would say to themselves, I'd buy one, that's, that's not a justification for a bank or for investment capitalist of any sort to you know, pony up enough money to be able to go into manufacturing. So if I were doing something that had to do with IP or a medical device, money would just be readily available for something new like that. But something like the grill gun, it just, I, I could not land the extensive amount of money that I had to have in order to actually build a low, even though you might think that this is expensive at about 140 bucks for the set, it's, it's, it's cheaper than like a, a combination of a TS 8000 and a Sears altogether. It's, it's far better machine. And yet, um, it has to be has to be manufactured in high volume in order to be able to get the cost down. You have to scale it right out of the chute. So I knew how much it was going to cost to manufacture it, and I just couldn't raise that kind of capital. But I was told over and over again that have you tried doing Kickstarter? And I had never considered it because I didn't know how to do a Kickstarter campaign. So that was in, um, in January of 2017, I said, all right, I'm gonna look at Kickstarter and figure out how to do a Kickstart campaign. And so in February of that, you know, the next month I'd spent a lot of time learning about how to do a Kickstart campaign. And I realized that I, um, I just had a ton of stuff to learn and Almost, Darren, this is amazing. Uh, my Kickstart campaign, at the time that I ran it, there had been, uh, since Kickstarter's inception in 2009, there had been 300,000, 318,000 Kickstarter campaigns that preceded mine. And 80% of those never make the money that they need to make in order to be able to do what they say they're going to do. 80% of them. And only 1% of them ever make the money that they, only 1% of that 318,000 ever reach six figures in revenue. And so I'm looking at how am I going to raise six figures in revenue when 99% of the programs out there don't, don't make it. And so here I am, I'm, I'm needing, I've got a design, I've got the manufacturing, I've got everything that I need. And, um, 
and it looks like it's going to be impossible to, to do something quick on Kickstarter. So I just applied myself and said, all right, look at the best campaigns that are out there, figure out what they do, why they're successful, what did they need to accomplish? And so I just studied really hard for several weeks and I started modeling my campaign after the best campaigns that I could find, the most successful campaigns. And I tell anybody who wants to run a Kickstarter campaign to do exactly what I did, is just, just focus on who was successful and focus on it as though you're the consumer. <clears throat> the consumer that says, I might be interested in this product. I mean, yeah, it's a big, it's a big risk to um, to pony up your money, especially if it's over, let's say, fifty bucks. Okay, um, I've seen plenty of Kickstarters that I said that looks cool, but ah, I don't know if I want to spend you know one hundred and fifty dollars out of my own money and roll the dice and then have to wait six months to a year before I'm going to get the product. Maybe you know. Um, yeah. I, I followed a couple. One of them was actually a sous vide machine that they started in like the beginning of 2017 and they finally started delivering product towards the end of last year. And they had a lot of problems. I mean, they hit their uh, goals right away as far as sales goals. I mean, they got their money like really quick, but it was the development stage that dragged out and they had all kinds of issues in manufacturing and they spent a lot of money you know, in the, in the R and D and development after the fact, you know, trying to get the product mass produced the right way. And they finally started delivering product and now they're out of product and I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, continue on, but I hope they do, they do. But, and then I guess a meter of the in little, you know, in, in uh, internal thermometer that you can use that monitor with your phone that was another one that took, you know, two and a half to three years to actually start delivering product. So you got to look at that stuff when you're, when you see those uh, type of uh, Kickstarters, you go, do I want to wait that long for something like this? But um, yours was, I really liked the product. I tested, I, I was one of the few that actually got to touch it and use the prototype. So I knew it was going to be something I really wanted. So I, I did invest in that and I felt really good about it. But I have to commend you for the amount of the short amount of time that got you, you know, got it in everybody's hands. I mean, I, I can't really believe you did it so well, so quick, <laughs> especially yeah. with all the stuff that was going on at towards the end where you had those protests in Hong Kong and Shanghai that slowed you down. But now with the COVID, I mean, it's even worse, but you got it like right in that window, but, I mean, yeah. I'm really surprised how quick you got it done. So here we are, um, almost one year, uh, no, 11 months since I launched the, the Kickstart campaign. Can you believe that? 11 yeah, months? It's been a year since you were on, on the podcast. It was about a year since I started the podcast and you and Troy were on. But yeah. I was just thinking about that too, yeah. So... Um, the reason it worked for me was because I really had already designed the product. I knew how I was going to manufacture it. I knew what it was going to cost. And I had studied kickstart campaigns in order to be able to understand what it would take to be successful. And so then I had to go to people who were influencers in the marketplace that already had a substantial 
um, following on YouTube and in podcasts and in a written product and, and give them product and ask for their endorsement. And when I had enough of that lined up, then I knew that the Kickstarter campaign would be successful. And so there was, it's really unheard of to go from figuring out how to spell Kickstarter in February <laughs> to being completed with uh, one of the uh, most successful Kickstarter campaigns in Kickstarter's history. I mean, in the top 0.04 percentile. And it, it was, so that's what, February, March, April, May, June, those five months, February, March, April, May, and June, from the time that I decided to learn how to spell Kickstarter to the time I was done with the program. And, and it's, it really just goes, it's a testament to the quality of the people, including you, who helped show the prototypes to the public. Uh, T-Roy, who was great, you know, he's the very first one to uh, come out back in April a year ago now and say, you know, when this guy runs his Kickstarter campaign, you're going to have to pay attention to this. So it was that level of support that anybody who wants to run a Kickstarter campaign, they really need to reach out to people who are, who already have audiences and already have credibility and establish credibility with those folks. If you do that, then people who, people who lend you credibility, Darren, for your show and your, and your honesty and sincerity with people, if you tell them to try something, they're going to listen to you. And so whether you do it on YouTube or uh, in print media or whatever mode that you choose to take, you got to be really sincere and absolutely transparent and honest. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the thing that makes it. Well, you got to have a good idea and a good, you know, base product, but you also got to pick the right people that don't just take any product and try to hawk it. I've seen there's, there's guys out there who've been doing YouTube and, you know, other social media and stuff for a long time. And you'll, every week they have something new that they're hawking, you know, and somebody will give them, you know, a new grill every other week. They'll give them a new, you know, you'll see them every other week. They'll have something new. They're going, Oh, I got this. Check this out. I try not to do that. And a lot of the ones that you hit like Troy and stuff are like that. They only use stuff that they actually believe in. And they only, you know, I, I, I use camp chef, you know, pellet grills because I really love the product before I even, you know, reached out to them to try to work with them. I really love the product. Kamado Joe, the same way. I really love the product before I even started trying to talk to them. You know, that's how I work. I don't like, I don't just take things. So the people that follow me and that follow Guga and, and Troy and, and some of the others that you reached out to know that it's not just about promoting product because I got a free thing this week. It's because we really believe it and we can actually, I can show somebody the whole benefits and I get comments all the time on my videos. And when I do a review of something, people go, you go into detail, you explain why you like it. It's not just a Ford versus Chevy thing. I like it because it's this, you know, it's like because it says camp chef on it. You know, I, I actually go into the whole reasons and, and, and why it's a better product. So, but uh, yeah, and, and the grill gun, sous vide gun definitely is top notch. Uh, I've had a, uh, I was one of the guys that got talked into getting a uh, Sears all, you know, cause I used to watch Guga, you know, when he first started doing it and I, so now that's pretty cool. But like you said, 
you're paying $50 for the TS 8,000. You're paying 75 bucks for the, uh, Sears all just a little attachment and it, it has no power to it. It takes you still 15 minutes to sear a steak, you know? <laughs> so right. you demonstrated in one of your videos, how you can sear a steak. And I think it was 15 seconds, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I got that. Sears all. I got the Sears all and I, I think I used it three times and I'm like, why did I just spend a hundred bucks on this thing? You know? Yeah. But I've never had that feeling with the sous vide gun or the uh, the grill gun. I mean, I, it works. It does exactly what it's supposed to. It's super powerful. It's well built. It's going to last me a long time, and it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was talking to one guy, an attorney that I was interviewing to see whether or not I wanted to have him on my um, team. And I so he was really he was holding it and he was looking at it and he was. I said, "Would you buy one of these?" And he said. Absolutely, I would. And I said, okay, well, if I make it pink and kind of look like a big reach, would you buy one? And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, why not? And he says, because I think the gun looks cool. And that's, that's just it. I mean, it's, it's kind of a man toy, but I'm, I'm really surprised at how many women buy these. And it's just because it's the most effective tool that you can buy. I mean, anything that you want, creme brulee, if you're, if you have any, you know, any needs that you would use a culinary torch for, it's the same thing. I was showing you how you can turn the flame way down. You don't have to have it run full blast just because you can. Right. Yeah. And I used to, when I first started doing some, some of the comparison videos and stuff for you, you know, people would always say, why does it have to look like a gun? You know, they get the people, they just get scared because it looks like a gun. And it's, and I kept telling them, it's the functionality of it. It's, you know, it looks like a gun because the shape of a gun, it, it's utilitarian. It, that's, it, it does, you know, it shapes your hand just right. It's angled just right. That's why a gun is shaped the way a gun is shaped. So that's why the grill gun works so good because of the way it's shaped in your hands. And you got the trigger on the bottom on the handle. I mean, it's, it's a pretty much a no brainer design. It needs to be designed that way to look like a gun. I mean, it can't yeah. look like a flower. It can't look like a, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it can't look like anything else because of the functionality of it. And one thing here, I'll show everybody that's looking at it right now. This has got all this weight out in front. So you're kind of holding it up in your, with your, your hand holding all this weight up. It's, it's light to begin with. It's not heavy, but, the weights out front and in the grill gun there's more weight out front it's harder to hold it up but when you put this bottle on the bottom of it here it changes the center of gravity and puts it back in your hand and allows it to naturally angle down the way you would use it to light a grill so the ergonomics associated with it it's just as you're saying it needs to be that shape if it's right. not that shape then it's not going to be functional. And if it is that shape, then make it look like something that is that shape. Right. Yeah. Just, and I don't know why people get, you know, that stuck in their head that, you know, why does it got to, you know, what difference does it make? What it looks like it functions, it does what it's supposed to do and it's phenomenal and it's a high quality product. So, so you got through the whole Kickstarter. I mean, one of the fastest, you know, uh, from, 
kicking it off to delivering it into people's hands to raising funds. I mean, everything about it went pretty smooth. You know, as far as I could see on my side, it probably you're pulling your hair out a few times, I'm sure, uh, behind the scenes. But to, to us that were part of the Kickstarter, it went really smooth, especially, like I said, from some of the other Kickstarter projects that I, I watched or, um, you know, I had heard about, you know, pro, you know, problems. But um, so now that you've went through all that, how are the supply lines and all that now with what's going on with the uh, COVID-19 and all the import problems and issues going on? Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to be ahead of the curve. You know, the, the first container load that I had shipped out of uh, the manufacturer um, was on the water before anybody knew about COVID or what was called the coronavirus. And so I got product in about the same time that um, China was shutting down. And so I was able to fulfill all of the Kickstarter campaigns, um, pledges, and keep my promise to those people. There were some delays and um, the people that were in in the Kickstarter and Indiegogo camps, they understood that. And um, they were pretty much amazed that the delays were as minimal as they were to, to be able to go from um, startup of manufacturing to product delivered in inside of six months. Uh, they were very happy about. And so I bought the first container load with enough uh, quantity left over to start selling on my website at grillblazer.com directly with more uh, product already being manufactured and uh, there's another container load on the water right now it'll be here in a couple of weeks so I'm not going to have any difficulty in keeping my supplies up because I went with a really good quality manufacturer taught them how to do it I spent five weeks in China on uh, on two different trips over there, uh, developing the supplier, the supply chain, the equipment, the manufacturing processes, um, turning it into a hundred percent, I mean, 100% quality inspected. Everyone that goes out the door is fired up as a bottle of propane screwed onto it, turned on, fired, checked, just for the final functionality to say nothing of the automatic testing procedures that go inside, uh, go on inside in the manufacturing where they're pressured up three different times during this stage with just air, with um, very sensitive machines uh, tracking to make sure that it's sealed and it's not gonna leak because I had to make a torch that won't leak. I mean, you that's another thing that we didn't talk about is most of those all of those cheap torches that you can buy, they come with instructions to how to tighten them up and replace this and replace that. I just had to build something that would work and not need to be uh, repaired, except for through a service center. So the supply chain really is, is you know, I got it set up before there was this pandemic. Sales on this side are um, obviously weak right now because people don't have jobs. People are stuck in their homes, but it's a great product from that standpoint 
because it's the perfect stay-at-home product. What can you do while you're locked up in your house? That the real difference is, is it's so expensive to make one. People perceive the cost is high. I had one guy today say, you know, why it should be priced at 50 bucks. Well, maybe it should be, but it can't be because it costs more than that to make it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mercedes should only cost $20,000, right? You know, yeah. If you can get a Mercedes for 20 K go for it, <laughs> but you're not going to. Right. And so I, I'm sorry, it's not for everybody because not everybody can reach out and grab $140 when they don't have a job. And I can, I really right. do understand that people are hurting. I'm hurting, you know, everybody yeah. is through this. Well, and you're always going to have people, even when they're not hurting, that are going to be those price conscious people. Cause it's the same people that you have on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Kamada Joe, you know, Facebook groups a lot. And, you know, those are, you know, seven, eight, 12, $1,500 grills, you know, and people aren't used to paying, you know, $800 plus for a grill. They can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a cheap, you know, char griller, you know, for, you know, 150 bucks. And that's what they compare it to. But it's like comparing a Lamborghini to a Kia, Sofia, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they both drive, but you know, they're totally different things, you know? So, and I tell people that all the time, you know, maybe I buying a $800 grill cause I know I'm going to have that thing for 20 plus years, you know, and maybe, you know, give it to my kid when, when, uh, you know, he's older, you know, it's not something that's going to rust out and I'm buying a new one every year and a half or two years. It's the same concept with that. You know, yeah, I can buy a Harbor freight torch for 30 bucks, but it's going to be a piece of crap that's only going to last me a year and fall apart and it's not safe and it doesn't do half the stuff that this other, that the, the grill gun does. So. Yeah. Like take, take for instance, this, you've used yours quite a bit there. Oh, sure yeah. oh yeah. The finish on here, the finish on this, on the shaft, the finish on all of the parts here, they're not going to rust. I and mean, you, you know that you can't run a grill. You can't run a weed torch more than one time before you burn off the zinc finish that's on it. And now it starts to rust and it looks like garbage. Right. So, but the trouble that I went through to design something that would take the heat and actually operate and never look bad. Well, never is a, not exactly true because I've had people set them down when they're hot on, on their plastic, you know, block of some sort and it melts the plastic right to the bell. Well, they shouldn't have done that, but um, that's just user error. If you just um, if you just use the gun and use the stand that I send each gun out with, to where you can just set it in the bottle stand where it'll cool down the bell, uh, you'll never have any trouble with the finish. Never is a relative term. I mean, that's I just mean yeah. four years. You'll have years and years of uh, enjoyment of it. So it's not really a good product from a designed obsolescence standpoint. Yeah. It makes more sense to, to you know, sell $20 some things that people have to buy every three months than it does to you know, sell $140 something that you don't have to sell again. But my approach on that was give people high quality and uh, people will recognize it and reward you for it. They'll, they'll enjoy it. They'll tell their friends about it. And, and they'll love it. They'll cherish it and it'll be something that they're going to be proud to own. I mean, how many people are going to be proud to own a crappy 
rusty looking weed torch, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, that's for sure. Well, Bob, I want to thank you for being on. It's about time for us to wrap it up. Um, I want to make sure everybody goes to grillblazer.com and checks out Bob's, uh, you know, website. You can buy the uh, sous vide gun and the grill gun and the combo packs and accessories on grillblazer.com. And you can also check out, uh, he's got links to some of my videos, uh, Guga from sous vide everything. Uh, also, uh, T Roy, Troy Smith from T Roy cooks and the, uh, a few others on there. So, um, showing you and you can go to my YouTube channel fire and water cooking and I've got plenty of videos about the uh, sous vide gun and the grill gun on that as well you definitely will not be um, uh, you'll definitely be impressed with it and you will not be sorry if you invest in a grill gun or a sous vide gun they're very high quality they do exactly what they're supposed to they're very powerful there's nothing on the market like them so anything else you want to add Bob anything else you got coming in the, in the works that you're gonna you know maybe uh promote as well no not not at this time i my focus really is on being able to i expected by this time to be making some more announcements but the the covid pandemic has kind of changed the timing on this so it's a little premature to make any other announcements i appreciate your giving me the opportunity to do it but uh, I'm not ready to at this point. I do want to say thank you again, Darren, for having me on. Let me talk about this. Well, I want to thank um, you for letting me be a part of. Yeah, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of um, trying it out, and uh, you know, definitely, uh, like I said, when I first got the prototype and started playing with it, it really got me excited, and that uh, I, I haven't uh, swayed on it. I mean, everything that you've done as far as you know, with the prototype, putting the thing together, the Kickstarter, how the Kickstarter campaign went, I've been a hundred percent impressed. So it's something I know you really care about. You put your all into it and I have no problem backing somebody that um, puts everything he's got into something. And I, I know that's you, Bob. Oh, thanks very much. Well, I all hope right. to see, hope to well, see you again soon. I hope to see you again soon. Everybody check out grillblazer.com. Check out the uh, grill gun and sous vide gun. And thanks again, Bob. We'll see you on the next one. I want to thank Bob Healy once again for being on the podcast from Grill Blazer. Make sure you uh, check out the Fire and Water Cooking Facebook page. That is where the information will be on the drawing for the sous vide gun or grill gun. Your choice. We're going to do the drawing on May 10th on Mother's Day at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you go to the Fire and Water Cooking page on Facebook and all the details on how to enter will be there. Also check out the fire and water cooking YouTube channel because this podcast is now an audio and video podcast. You can find the video episodes there as well. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again on the next fire and water cooking podcast.